This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. A lot of the young radicals here in my town are in the Democratic Socialists of America. They asked me to speak about the period around the 1930s and 1940s, the last time we saw a great progressive upsurge in the United States. They particularly wanted to know about the Communist Party. I told them that I need to clear up before I start just exactly what a communist is as opposed to a socialist. Now this is just a historical difference because today it's pretty hard to tell anybody apart. Everybody agrees that there's an emergency and that there's great opportunities for working families. So as far as I know, everybody's working together. But this is a history lesson. There weren't any communists until the 20th century. Nobody used that name. They all call themselves socialists or social democrats. But in 1903, there was a big split in the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party. One side was led by V.I. Lenin, and he said that serious socialists had to be revolutionaries. They had to actually help the working class seize power away from the bosses. They said that all progress of the working class could be taken away as long as the bosses were in power. So they had to be stopped. We've seen that lately in America with voter rights and women's reproductive freedom being blown away. All advances for working families are just temporary until the bosses are removed from power. Or so they said on one side of the argument in 1903. The other side was shocked at such a dangerous proposal. They said that socialists should continue working for gradual improvements and eventually try to get elected to power. What a discussion they must have had. It seems almost impossible to believe, but the gradual improvement side lost. They became the minority of the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party, and the Russian word for minority is Menshevik. The winning side of the argument was the majority, and the Russian word for majority is Bolshevik. Later, they changed their name to communists and left titles like socialist and social democrats to the gradualists. The split spread throughout the social democratic parties of the world. The Reds were kicked out of the American Socialist Party in 1919. This is dramatized in a movie called Reds. Now, I'm so old that I still think of the movie Reds as a fairly new movie, but it just had its 40th anniversary. If you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing, and it's certainly worth seeing from a historical perspective. Now the question, that the one that they wanted me to answer, was why did they all start becoming so popular in the 1930s? I told them that the idea that communists suddenly rose to great popularity and then fell into disgrace is misleading for several reasons. One of them has to do with context. The fact is that all progressives became popular in the 1930s, and all progressives got smashed in the late 1940s. The communists were popular, but so were the socialists, the social democrats, the Trotskyists, and whatever else they had, independent progressive trends. In the 1930s, 
there was an upsurge in progressive thought and action. The popularity was not because they did everything right. They made plenty of mistakes. Don't get the idea that socialism was popular because they were faultless and that it eventually failed because they made mistakes. Mistakes had very little to do with their rise nor their fall. The great upsurge in the 1920s and 30s came about because the Bolsheviks had succeeded in Russia and Russia was weathering the worldwide depression rather well. Wealthy nations like America, they were in a lot of trouble because of the uprising of the working families. So in America and other wealthy countries, they began a strategic retreat before the rising working class. Less wealthy nations like Germany had no room to retreat, so they became fascists and simply killed the progressives. The fascists are famous in our history for hating Jews, and they did. But that's not who they went after first. First, they had to destroy the communists and socialists, the leaders of the organized working class. That's who they went after first. The progressives who survived led the resistance the best they could from underground. That was not only true in Germany, but in all the countries that Germany conquered over the first few years of the World War II. In the so-called capitalist democracies like the United States, communists, socialists, independents, and trade unionists started doing pretty well. Perhaps the most romantic of these groups was the Communist Party because they literally supported revolution and other groups were still pretty much gradualists who hoped to get elected into power someday. Some impressive communists back in those days were Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger and, the, and a very popular art form was socialist realism. In the civil rights area, we had great figures like Paul Robeson, the singer and actor and athlete, and W.E.B. Du Bois, the leading intellectual of the civil rights movement back in those days. In unions, we had great leaders some of whom you probably have never heard of because they've been stamped out of history. The ones I mentioned to the young, young radicals here were Wyndham Mortimer, who actually was responsible for organizing Flint, Michigan, Bob Travis, who actually led the UAW sit-down strike in Flint, Michigan, and Mike Quill, who started the Transport Workers Union. Here in Texas, our most famous red, I guess, was Emma Tenayuca, who led the pecan shelter strike in San Antonio. Now, as far as I know, very few unions were actually led by communists, but some union locals were. And there's a new book, a fairly new book, called Reds and Blackboards, in which it talks about the New York Teachers Union they, uh, they were very, very progressive and did some great things way back in the 1930s, things that still haven't been accomplished by the teachers' unions of today, especially in getting textbooks changed and in civil rights areas in general. The book is pretty good, but I kind of hate to recommend it because it's kind of dry reading. Most books about communists are pretty dry, 
because the authors of those books want to make sure that nobody thinks they're communists. So they kind of stick to the facts and the statistics, and it ends up being a little bit dry reading. But if you're interested in education or teachers' unions, Reds and Blackboards is a good book. In foreign affairs back in those days, the French Resistance was extremely popular, and I'm sure you've seen dozens of movies about the Maquis, the French Resistance. They hardly ever mention that most of those guys were communists. The resistance in Vietnam was communist. The resistance in China were communists. The resistance all over Europe and all over Asia, generally speaking, were communists. That's not in the movies, <laughs> but it's true. Another person that was very popular in the 1930s and 40s was Joseph Stalin. Nowadays, you can't say Joseph Stalin without saying bloody tyrant or psychopath, but they didn't call him that back in the 30s and 40s. They called him Uncle Joe all the way through the war. They made many accomplishments during that period. For example, they organized the unemployed very successfully and a lot of those unemployed, by the way, were auto workers who were unemployed during the period of plant shutdowns. Auto workers then and now have big, big shutdowns when they change the dyes and everything to make uh, new car designs. And while they were unemployed, a lot of the auto workers got organized by the efforts to organize the unemployed. Progressives also organized farm workers and sharecroppers successfully and they were very successful in fighting for civil rights. Nowadays the textbooks tell us that the civil rights movement started in 1954 but it's not true. It started in 1619 and has been going on ever since. Another successful thing that they did was fight fascism. They fought fascism in Spain and then in World War II and contributed to winning World War II. Some of the guys who fought fascism in Spain were not allowed to join the army during World War II because they were called something like uh, premature anti-fascists. Believe it or not, premature anti-fascists were the people who began the fight against fascism in Spain. Back in those days, they won progressive legislation like the Fair Labor Standards Act and Social Security. Now, it's not exactly true that Social Security was an idea that Franklin Roosevelt had or that Francis Perkins, the Labor Secretary, had, even though they deserve a lot of credit for getting Social Security passed. Social Security was actually a communist proposal, proposed legislation, way back in the 1920s. So this was not exactly a new idea, but it was a wonderful idea, and it got passed during the great upsurge of the working people. They organized the unions. They created the CIO. Even though the, the president of the CIO was a raving anti-communist like everybody else in the labor movement at that time, nevertheless, they were the ones who kept alive the idea that the industrial workers of the world had had, which was to organize everybody. 
You see, at that time, the American Federation of Labor, the AF of L, was only interested in organizing craft unions. Only the elite, and only the elite turned out to be mostly white men. So the Reds had kept alive the idea from the industrial workers of the world of organizing everybody, and it took fruition when the CIO was finally created in 1935. Now, as I said, the president of the CIO was not a Red, but his editor was. Lynn DeCoe was the editor of the CIO News all the way through that great period. And he's got a good book called Labor Radical. If you can find a copy, it's really worth reading. The popularity of progressives did not go away during the war nor afterward because the true progressives worked hard to win that war. Virtually all able-bodied communists in America, even movie stars and top union leaders, joined the army. In the countries subjugated by the Axis, progressives led the resistance. At the end of the war, communists in America were among the returning war heroes. In Europe and Asia, the leaders of the resistance either took power, like Marshal Tito in Yugoslavia or Enver Hoxha in Albania, or they started a long, hard fight to win power, like Mao Zedong in China or Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam. But in 1947, with the Depression over and American bosses and American military in firm control of most of the world and its resources, the ruling classes hit the progressive movement hard. Remember this. All the gains for working families are temporary as long as the bosses remain in power. What happened in America in 1947 is similar, though not as bloody, to what the fascists had done. In America, they used legislation, prosecution, job discrimination, and a coordinated media campaign to set the working family movement back on its heels. They forgot the whole idea that working families should come to power and that the bosses should be removed from power. That was pretty well extinguished. Some Reds were in prisons. Thousands lost their jobs. Union leaders were kicked out. Whole unions were banished. And the leadership of unions and the progressive movement fell into the hands of gross opportunists. Now, these opportunists were pretty much just out for themselves. I'm not calling them gradualists like the Mensheviks. That would be giving them way too much credit. What they were is collaborators, and they went after the progressives just as hard or harder than the government did. Some good examples were Democratic presidential candidate Hubert Humphrey and AFL leader George Meany and actor Ronald Reagan. All of them were rabid anti-Reds and were rewarded by their patrons in government. It's very important to realize this. The progressive movement did not fail. Working families did not fail. They did not do something wrong that caused them to lose. They were simply beaten by superior power. And that ended our so-called heyday up until recently when young people started coming around and doing stuff again, like today. Oh,
This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.